We look around, but we do not see. We hear all these sounds, but fail to listen. We talk the talk so eloquently, but when the time comes to walk the walk, we just turn a blind eye. We have become an audience like those who sit around soccer fields with nice comfy seats and plenty of food and drinks to last for the game. We have become an audience who just sits on the sidelines. We're the audience to the cries of those who cry for justice, wondering if justice was ever just because now, now it's just them and their Lord. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Rogue Muslim. I uh, hope everyone's week is going well. Um, I'm going to keep this introduction really short because, as usual, this podcast is long. But it's such a fun one. Um, I had a really enjoyable time recording it and chatting with Haroon, who is an author, a rapper, an artist. Um... He's just an all-around kind of cool guy. So, um, yeah, I had a really fun time, and I hope you enjoy it. It's just a lot of laughter involved. We talk about, you know, how he knew he was an artist and an author, how where he seeks inspiration from, who he seeks inspiration from. We basically fangirl over J.K. Rowling for a bit, and then we ultimately come to the conclusion that we should just bow down to her in the most non-blasphemous, non-shirk way possible. Um, and, you know, other inspirations of his, and just how the Quran as well has been such an, um, such has been and is becoming an integral part of his writing process. And we talk a lot about process, so I like talking about process, and he was open to talking about process, so that was cool. Uh, we talk about how artistry is a rebellion from oppression as well and it's a form of expression for that and away from that and then we also freestyle some stories so I gave him two um like basic storylines and then he kind of just went with it and it was really fun to see what happened and actually um he's gonna hopefully write those out and then send them to me later on um and I'll put those up as well so that would be kind of cool to see what he ended up coming up with in its finality other than that I don't think I have anything else to say um yeah like I said I don't want to keep this uh going for too long just because it is a bit of a longer podcast but I really hope you enjoy it and uh let me know what you think I really like you know engaging with whoever listens to this podcast so it would be cool to see what your thoughts are on this. And that is about it. So, yeah, have a good week and enjoy. And, oh, if you if you want to get into contact with me or support the podcast, you can email me at theroguemuslim at gmail.com and then my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handle is all just at theroguemuslim. So pretty standard. And, yeah, your support would mean a lot to me. So... That would be great. I'm terrible at conclusions, so let's just get on with the interview. Clavis. Oh. 
Salam alaikum, everyone, and welcome back to, I think we're on episode 10 now of The Rogue Muslim. Um, I'm happy to have you here. This week, I am joined by uh, author, artist, rapper, general cool person, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Haroon Ahmad Butt. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So... Okay, so I didn't put this in the interview question, um, but it's one that I like to ask every guest, and that is, if this was your last day on Earth, what would your final meal be? My final meal? Mm-hmm. Right into the deep questions, I know. <laughs> uh, my, I, I, I like to eat, so I don't <laughs> know. I, I just would not stop eating until I die. Brilliant. Okay, what would you have? <laughs> like, what are your must-haves? Yo, I gotta have my mom's biryani. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. And then I gotta have, oh, I gotta have New York City pizza. That's Okay, that's what, a, what is it with this? Like, I don't understand it. Is it that amazing? What is it about it? It is. I've, got, I've eaten pizza, like, across the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've eaten pizza in Italy. In Italy. <laughs> in Rome. And I, I cannot find pizza like New York City pizza what? I don't know when what? I was down in DC living in DC there, there was like this person who was starting a new pizza chain I don't know how, how he's done it now but he mm-hmm. said that it was because of the water in New York City so he was importing water from New York City oh my god so that he can recreate New York City pizza this is how oh. good New York City pizza is I need to come to NYC yeah yeah oh, definitely man. I've only been there once um and uh we came for a day and we were chased by the police because we were going on the underground and it's quite expensive for to pay for a ticket and there was Uh like 12 of us and we didn't i mean we're brown you know we're cheap so we're not gonna pay for exactly right so we didn't so yeah there was like 12 of us so we got i think three tickets and put that oh, no. in the slot and then just like shoved for me. <laughs> Maybe I should you be admitting this. Yeah. And, and the police woman was chasing us. And I, I guess there was some sort of like um, blockade that so she couldn't pass. And we just jumped onto the tube and kind of just waved her. Oh, lucky. <laughs> I know. Lucky. So it was so good. But that's like the most poignant uh, memory I have of that one day. <laughs> It was Mary New York City, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I should have admitted that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're going to come after you now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do pay my taxes in Canada. Does that compensate for that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that one time. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. And then anything else that you'd want? Um, I mean, yeah, everything. Yeah. I would just be not stop eating. But yeah. the first two would be that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Ice cream. Oh, my God. Yeah, definitely ice cream. <laughs> What's your favorite? I have to. Yeah. My, oh, I like... They... My favorite has to be because of uh, the childhood memories attached to it. Mm-hmm. Like, a, I, Mr. Soft, the ice cream cone with rainbow sprinkles. Oh, those are great. Yeah, that's a classic. I, those are classic. I still eat those. Those are great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no, they're incredible. Even like a McDonald's soft serve 
Um, yeah, totally. So I, Fifty cents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except the McDonald's machine, it never is working. Every I, time I go, oh to my time. god, I know. I, you know what I was thinking? I was like, McDonald's needs to be taxed extra for every time their ice cream machine doesn't work everywhere around the world. That then maybe then they finally. Yeah, it actually had a trickle down effect <laughs> from the economy. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Um, oh, also, anything to drink specific? To drink? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't drink this that much, mm-hmm. but I like it. Mm-hmm. Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. Standard. Uh, yeah. If I'm, but if I'm dying, I don't care. I'm just going to drink all I, the Coca-Cola I, I can. So. Dude, go wild. Yeah, totally. I don't know. I remember when I was younger, it was like... <laughs> Before the advent of WhatsApp, I think this was the emailing, it would go through and it would be like all the products you need to boycott and Coca-Cola uh-huh. was one of them because I, I really don't know how somebody has figured this out or if it's even valid or whatever, but backwards, Coca-Cola backwards in Arabic spells yes. out, right? Remember La Allah, what was it? La yeah. Allah, La Muhammad or something? Yeah, but it's not even just backwards. You got to put it backwards, and you got to stretch it a little. Yeah. You got to tilt it. Like, come on! Like, I, know. I, I really doubt that's what they were going for when they make Coca Cola. I, <laughs> I only know that vindictive. Yeah, I, I doubt they even knew what Islam was when they made it. Exactly, Coca-Cola. right? It's just fear mongering. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, I mean, you should still boycott Coca Cola because it's horrible for you. Right. It's right. Just, just not for the right reason. Just do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god. All right. I mean, you'll die of diabetes then in the end, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Going anyways. Dude, that's why it's my last day on earth because I wouldn't stop drinking Coca Cola. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right then. Sweet. So that's kind of how I like to break in the interview. Um, okay. So now we'll get into actual deep questions. Talking about process and all that. But before we go on, uh, why don't you like tell us a bit about yourself, where you've grown up, how did you get into writing, and how did you know that you're a writer and an artist generally, I mean? I'm still figuring out how and why I'm a writer and artist. Yeah. It's really like, it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, is this something that, that, that's just in me or that I've cultivated? I have cultivated it, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I've definitely cultivated it. Um, I mean, I guess the earliest memory I have of writing was I was like in kindergarten and I drew a picture of this really tall man like his neck was really tall Yeah. and for some reason I just kept putting box on box on box on top of each other I drew little boxes and I kept putting them on top of each other Yeah. and I was like this is his neck and then then I drew a I made a story about him I was like why is he so tall and I I was like oh because he he wanted to kiss a giraffe on the nose. So, <laughs> so that's my first story about this man who, like, elongated his neck so that he can kiss a giraffe on the nose. I'm, like, super hardcore trying to psychoanalyze this thing right now. <laughs> I'm like, what is the meaning? What is kindergarten Haroon thinking? I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know what I'm thinking. 29-year-old Haroon doesn't know what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, feel, I, I think people just fake life honestly it's all a facade <laughs> we're all performing it's fine 
Oh, man. No, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and you grew up in New York? Brooklyn, New York. Right. And then York. I, when I was six, I went to Pakistan for six months. Oh, okay. And I came back. And then when I was 13, I went back for about a year and a half. And Bo- then I came back. Oh, my God. Boycotting America. No, no, I'm boycotting Pakistan. You're boycotting Pakistan now. (laughs) Yeah. I came back, right? I came back twice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not boycotting America. It's Pakistan. (laughs) America, he loves you. He loves you a lot. Yeah. Especially Brooklyn, New York. Especially Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. What what is it about Brooklyn that, I mean, other than home, I guess, but. Um, it, well, it's home. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's where I, it's me, Mm -hmm. you know? It's you, there's there's no such thing as a typical Brooklynite in my opinion. Okay, everyone is so different. That's what I mean. I went to like I I've been other I've traveled a lot, mm-hmm. and I can't think of another place where I went to a bar and in the same night I met somebody from Israel. I met somebody from uh, Japan. I met somebody from Madagascar. I met somebody from uh, in the same night. In the same That's night. That's wild. Like, yeah. I met, yeah, so this is, this is what, um, you know, like if you want to find people from different places and Mm -hmm. learn from them, this is, this is the place. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is random. And I've asked this question sometimes, but I guess I'm tying it specifically to what you've just mentioned, but does Brooklyn give you hope in humanity? Oh, um, no. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, no, no. No, that's it. That's why that's, I like Brooklyn because it shows you like... (laughs) You know, <laughs> <laughs> like editing me was like I'm gonna have some like really motivational, instrumental, poetic music in the background. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not really. I, mean, I do have hope in humanity. I do, but it's not because of Brooklyn. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Why does it not give me hope in humanity? No, because the the things that the stories that I hear are truths that people like people from other places and stuff tell me like. This is what's going on in the world. This is what's happening. Mm. And, you know, like if I, t- if I complain even a little bit about about what happens with me and, you know, my dealings with the government, I think we spoke, spoke about that mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. last time. Yeah. Um, they're like, you are like blessed. Listen to what actually happens around the world. Mm. You know, you're and when I hear it, I'm like, oh, my God, like I am blessed. So it grounds it's you. Not, it grounds me. It humbles me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh my god! So okay, where do you find hope then? Within myself, within Islam. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely within Islam, within myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my writing, my my friends, mm-hmm. all my friends. I mean, very. I have very, very close, very good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with with people like you, oh, thank you. <laughs> take an interest seriously. No, no, really. Who's taking an interest in other people and really? I mean. You know, like I told you earlier, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're helping me grow. Yeah. So. It's all a symbiotic relationship. We all need each other. Sure. We for sure. Think. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay. So, I mean, I guess um, one of the first things I wanted to do is uh, have you read out your story, Eat a Watermelon. Yeah. And, oh, also, I should mention that I heard... Um, uh, about Harun and I was connected to him by the Hidden Scribes podcast and you should definitely check out his interview there because it was epic like the way um what's the host's name is it Mark Millen Mark Millen yeah 
He edited that so well. So well. So well. Oh my god, it was wild. He did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah. I like I felt like I was like present in that story. I know. He did a great job. Yeah. He did a great he really it like that was humbling too. People like him too give me hope. Because he really he really connected with the story, you could tell. He picked up things that I was like, nobody's gonna pick this up and he put it into a sound. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It was great. It was great. Yeah, so definitely check it out. Um, and you'll just, like, hear more about Harden's process, kind of things he's working on as well, and you'll hear that epic um, storytelling as well. And I'll link it in the show notes as well. So without waiting any longer, here is Eat a Watermelon by Haroon Ahmed Butt. Oh, uh, it's the stories of my homies that I gotta keep telling Try to hold us down, keep us straight jelly Laws in the way, so I gotta stay feeling Spitting truths in the boots of the lies that keep selling Shake your legs a bit, it's my mind I'm concealing Make it from the hip, cause surprise I'm appealing Bragging by your tins, but my eyes are appearing Nigga, keep on getting close, and it's the guys you will Trigger mayo on my toast, leave the butter for the villains Finna bump a boast, cause the lines I be killing Trojan horses go, staying blind to the Hellens Pig has thought of roast, burnt flesh I be smelling Now who's the truth? Few that'll boost the booze belly. Tell it on the mic what the booze keep yelling. Eat a watermelon if you wanna live spelling. Eat a watermelon if you wanna live spelling. The look who's cute to be true telling. Tell it on the mic what the booze keep yelling. Eat a watermelon if you wanna live spelling. Eat a watermelon if you wanna live spelling. I'm not a fan of the summertime. My earliest memory of summertime is coming in from the balcony of my second story home. After playing outside in the hazy blaze of summertime, dodging mosquitoes the size of nickels, I could no longer stand the sun rays pouring out over me, boiling my skin, penetrating my skull and stirring lava in my cranium. After every last drop of sweat had evaporated into the damp air, I hurried into the kitchen and pulled at my mom's shawl, asking her for the watermelon she had promised us. The watermelon resting on the kitchen counter, the one twice the size of my four-year-old head. My mother cut up several even slices, triangles, to share with the whole family. I didn't want to wait for the crew to corral, so when she was distracted by something I can't remember, I finished every gushy piece of red melon and slurped the sweet nectar collecting on the curvature of the plate. And when she patiently cut a few slices more, I sat down at the kitchen table with the rest of the family and indulged myself to more chunky bits of juicy fruit. Before I was able to stop gorging, I lost control of my bladder and urinated all over the kitchen floor. I still had chunks of watermelon stuffed in my cheeks when I heard the last strips of urine trickling down my leg and onto the tiles below. Summertime in my adult life has been no picnic either. I can't remember a single summer that I didn't spend spread flat in front of an air conditioner or a fan, wondering when the annual two-month heat blitz would cease to persist. And this one summer, right when the heat wave started permeating the moist air circulating the Brooklyn streets, stiffening the smell of half-open dumpsters and pigeon droppings, I suffered from a terrible bout of dehydration. Down by the bay, where the watermelons grow, back to my home. I dare not go. The first thing you notice when your body is robbed of water is your mouth go dry. 
You smack your lips like you're trying to remove peanut butter from the skins of your teeth, and a frothy residue accumulates on the corners of your lips. And you breathe heavy, through your dry mouth. The air from your inhale and exhale feels like a cold wind breezing through a dried-out cavern. Your throat stings, and you massage your neck, pretending nothing is wrong. Pretending you're at most five minutes away from a glass of water. Just five minutes more and you'll survive. Your eyes sting next. And then a devastating migraine thrashes continuously in your ears. A perpetual fog buffets your line of sight and you struggle to make sense of your street signs. Your brain feels like a porous cement block buffeting against your skull with every bob of your head, pining for a drop of water. A dense hum, like the sound of a wet finger orbiting around the rim of a wine glass, blurs out external noises, partially deafening you to the words of others. And you feel an inevitable resignation looming alongside you, creeping up your peripheries, watching you from a measurable distance. You can see the specter of an upcoming doom in your rearview mirror, gaining speed, momentum. And then everything goes black. I woke up with my face against the cold, barren floor of the subway station, in the tunnels that connect one line to the next. The escalator was out of service and I had climbed up several flights to get to the train. I whispered gentle purrs of encouragement to myself with every reach for the next step. I made it to the peak before I remembered the startling nothingness that takes over your living reality. A nothingness so omnipresent that not even your own thoughts echo in the silent abyss. And as you stay limping on with nothing but a vague recollection of an arcane desire to keep living, the desire grows dimmer and your thoughts recede into a monosyllabic stew of gibberish. Until it's nothing. Absolutely nothing. No one was around to help me up. No one was around to tell me how long I had been out. I felt like a cockroach, lying flat on its abdomen on the subway floors, living in a suspended animation, waiting for a drip from a dirty mop or a wet footprint to revitalize its aching lifeless body, refusing to die for a few moments more, twitching its limbs. I put a defiant end to my unplanned fast by stuffing my mouth full of watermelon. I wanted a rehydration so fierce, so excruciatingly blissful and powerful. The very same kind that made me involuntarily piss all over my mother's kitchen floor. And even as the dehydration continued to spin me and my thoughts into a nonsensical spiral with a plummeting drop of fatalistic ennui, I practiced tremendous discipline and restrained myself from smashing my mouth into the green melon the size of my head devouring it like a cannibal. With palms quivering and knees vibrating left and right, I pushed myself to cut little triangle slices just like my mom once did. And I put them on a plate, and I sat and I ate as many slices as I pleased, finishing the whole watermelon to myself. I licked the plate clean. The colors of the world return to you in an instantaneous swirl mere moments after you've blessed your body with fundamental life fluids. Red suddenly becomes red again. Orange returns to orange. Blue, blue. Black, black. White is white. You remember suddenly that you've had other goals in your life, other ambitions, other desires and motivations. You remember to straighten your room and wash your face. You remember to put on the TV and just relax, laid out flat on the couch as the humming airwaves of the air conditioner floats across your belly. Your tongue returns to a slippery, sebaceous state, and your breathing is no longer labored. 
Your heart thumps of triumph. A steady pace, a familiar beat. It bursts with life again. The best moments, though, are the unforgettable few that come right after that first bite, right as a sweet, red, juicy, spongy manna smashes against your gums. Ecstasy washes away the agony. Every bit of you tingles with jubilee. You can feel it in your retinas, the visual world making sense again. Your ears pop clear of the persistent humming you had grown used to. You recognize your reflection in the mirror, drips of red juice slipping out over your lips and dribbling down to your chin. You look beautiful again. The twilight's crepuscular calm floated in through the windows and caressed my ankles and my soles. I was near the pier that night, and I could hear the sounds of foghorns moaning. Police sirens wailed in the distance, and a car alarm blanketed the warm Brooklyn night. I could hear the chatter of bar patrons. I could smell the dandelions blooming, rats squeaking, roaches clicking, seagulls yakking. I could feel the angels laughing. I heard mermaids sing. So Harun actually sent me this recording after we recorded the episode, and I think he did a really incredible job. Um, I really enjoyed listening to it. And he's got a really great storytelling voice as well. But what we're about to get to now is the questions I ask afterwards. So it is a bit of a jump, but let's just proceed with the interview. What Can you kind of describe what the story is about to you with this one in particular well it was about uh, uh, what? Yeah, sorry it was about me being dehydrated until the point where I was about to die mm-hmm. you know it's a little heavy but that's exactly what it is yeah and that's about, this is like true um it's a true story absolutely true yeah, yeah. 100 100 yeah. true yeah yeah all right. And how was it writing that for you to relive, you know, that memory again and go through it all? Powerful. Yeah. Powerful, powerful. I wrote it like I wrote it about three, four days after. Because the, the most frustrating thing about that experience was that nobody was believing me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody. And I was like, just so. I don't know. I was just like. There was just such swell, like, you know, what do I have to do to get you guys to listen to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, have you resigned? Go ahead. No, no, go for it, sir. No, I just resigned. I was like, nobody's gonna listen to me. Nobody's going to relieve it. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm just going to write this. And it was, it was, it was an amazing, amazing process. I, you know, I, I had a lot of surreal, when I write in general, and any sort of art in general. And this is why I have like a surreal process. I have a very surreal, like I, I, I exit out of the physical world sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and enter into a very like, you know, ethereal spiritual world. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that was a very, thank you for asking that. Cause I, I'm remembering now mm-hmm. that was a very powerful story to write. Mm-hmm. And how did you, like, was, did it give you some healing or were you able to reconcile kind of like, I don't know, did you feel like you said that nobody would believe you? Yeah. So did you kind of, were you able to have conversations with those that didn't and reconcile the feeling of anger or hurt or bitterness with them? Or is it that you, you know, you entered into this ethereal spiritual realm where you're so connected to what you're writing 
And now that it's out, it's like, okay, I can move on. And, you know, maybe you don't even need to have the conversations and maybe you do. Exactly. How does it, how did that's it work ex- for that's you? That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> I don't know if it connects people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, from what I've gathered, it does from what, the feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, 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 we don't have that conversation because I'm, what I had to say is right there. Mm. And is it like if somebody, um, you know, because in your writing, you use a lot of metaphors, which is something I want to come back to. But is that something that, you know, when you allow people um, to read it, do they connect? Like, do they understand what you're trying to say to them? Or, you know, if they don't, connect, yeah. if they don't. Is it like, OK, well, I've at least allowed myself the process of healing or connecting and reconciling with my feelings here even if you know this piece is directed to you but you don't get it you're not receptive of it that's that doesn't matter to me anymore does that i mean exactly is that how it works exactly to me well to me especially with this story this is a really well (laughs) i don't mean to brag but this is a really well written story it was yeah um not all of my stories are good this (laughs) this one this one was particularly good um and Metaphors are like another language almost, right? Like I am speaking to you in the spiritual world when I talk to you in metaphors. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not telling you something completely. I'm not telling you, hey, hey, I was dehydrated. I'm telling you, listen, like, you know, like this was what was happening. And I'm, and, and then when I'm rehydrated, I'm not telling you, I'm, I'm good again. No, I'm telling you, mermaids were singing. Angels mm-hmm. were laughing. And that's what it felt like. That's mm-hmm. really what it felt I mean, what, what else can I, I'm on the brink of death. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm 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 back. Yeah, born was, again. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was it was it was. How am I supposed to describe that without using metaphor? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I mean, a, sorry. Uh, you know, especially when you have experiences that there are no words for, mm. or there are words that have, or there may be words, but they have connotations that you don't want to hit. For example, born again. Mm. I don't want to hit that connotation with. Christianity because that's not what I was you know what I mean right yeah yeah for sure so then I guess I'll just ask it now but how do you come up with the metaphors and how did it become such um I don't know if this is the right word but it it's it's very identifiable of your writing style like when I was Mm. reading the shorts that you sent me it was like that was I was like okay Harun like is a metaphor guy but like it's it's so incredible how you uh put that through on paper and allow the reader to also enter into that world that reality and that Mm. understanding so how do you come up with them i mean and you're a rapper as well so i mean is there connection i guess to all that process of putting words together and stuff um at this point it's second nature Mm. um but yeah uh, i mean you got i mean i'm I'm 29 years old, so if I started writing when I was four, yeah, that's 25 years of writing. Yeah. Um, so at this point, it just comes. Mm-hmm. I can come up with it. Yeah. Uh, especially when I hit that spiritual thing that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come out. I mean, I can, and 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 every time I'm writing, and now this fear is receding, but but especially in the last maybe four years, when I started getting noticeably better when I was like oh my god I'm actually doing really well mm-hmm. um I had this latent fear that like oh my god I'm gonna run out 
Right. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm gonna run out of metaphors. Right. I'm gonna run out of things to say. But now I'm noticing. Oh my god, they get better and better and better and better. Like they, it's a whole. It's it's limitless. When you get to metaphor, it's limitless. Mm-hmm. It's like so. And has your I don't know how to like as society and culture and things you're exposed to. I mean, I'm assuming your. I mean, are your metaphors influenced by that? And have you kind of seen the transition that your metaphors have made? Since yeah, you- very much so. Mm-hmm. I mean, just from the last week alone, when I was talking about, you know, because from the when I so when I've or the last like month or so, I've I've been taking up greater interest in Islam and my culture mm-hmm. and the metaphors have definitely evolved definitely mm-hmm. so like the more I consume the more the metaphors come because I don't just write in metaphors I also take in information in metaphor Ooh. you know yeah yeah and then that's just your way of engaging and interpreting the world processing the, processing yeah. not just the world but it's well the world, sure, but like more specifically, uh, you know, more specifically, concepts and 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 things that you have to. I, or for example, okay, the Quran to me is this one big metaphor. I was just going to ask that. Metaphor, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course, it's a metaphor. Like, mm-hmm. you think like the language of the divine is the language of the human? Of course not. Mm-hmm. If you're just listening into the, the 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 Tower of Babel story, which is in Islam as well as in Christianity mm-hmm. you take that as a metaphor and you automatically know that okay language is not the divine's language right, right? you can't and the divine can't communicate with you with the language with the words that you invented yourself because the divine knows things you don't know mm-hmm. so how is the divine supposed to communicate and to me it's metaphor because it's not it's about the images that are struck in you and then the feelings that come out of those images and then the information hidden in those feelings right and what's fascinating to me is that that these metaphors are timeless timeless and universal i mean one can only hope that you know their artistry is timeless and universal and with such an impact but do you ever think about the weight and impact of your metaphors of your writing You know, I don't have. I, I, well, as yet, as of now, I don't really have that much of an impact, right? It's not like I'm. It's, it's not like people are flocking to the bookstores and get my book. So I don't really think about it right now. No. Hashtag humble. <laughs> oh my god, fair enough. Um, so you've mentioned, you know, like uh, your um, writing and the metaphors ha- are influenced by so many things but how has writing shaped you and your identity not necessarily you shaping your writing's identity uh yeah that's a good question because hmm. because i don't shape my writing's identity i don't you don't uh, okay not really i, I I'm, I'm trying to now like be more purposeful mm-hmm. but usually and that's hard Usually the way I write is like I want to write and then I just sit down and write. I don't right. Like, you know, it flows out. It, it flows out. But I am I am starting to now approach it with more structure and and, and try to be more purposeful. Why is that? Um, because in the last maybe few months I re 
especially after I wrote that book, Wildflower, that I sent you, mm-hmm. I realized, okay, I, I, I do have a talent. I do have a gift. It's okay to admit that. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Like it's, it's been a long time for that I've been writing, and I need to admit that, okay, I do have a kid talent. I do have a gift. Um, and it's hard to admit that. It's mm-hmm. scary mm-hmm. because what happens is that now that's a, you have a lot of responsibility. Do you? Um, sorry. Go ahead. Do you feel more fear and weight um, getting validation internally as opposed to externally for your writing and your work? Very good question. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. The internal validation is uh is pretty omnipresent. Mhm. But but then uh, then there's that there's like a corollary to that which is like, well, if it's omnipresent, then I'm just going to write shit and you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you know like that's, that's so then I get like worried. I'm like, then what's this validation for? If it's anything I do, the inner me is going to be like, good job. <laughs> so perhaps, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. And then, so, so you're, so you're now strategically um, trying to figure out how you can um, direct your writing, right? And See the, oh, sorry. The, uh, just to clarify on that, um, the what's what, what I've been doing for a while now is I know I have something I want to say. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna write it, and then when I write it, and then I'm like, oh, that's what I wanted to say, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, now what I'm trying to do is figure out what I'm trying to say first, and then, or you know, just I just want a harmony between the process, that flow process, versus mm-hmm. um, what I, you know, knowing what I want to say, being more intentional, more purposeful. I think it's okay for me to do that at this point because I have a lot of experience writing, and I am. A writer I am an artist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah one of the things that I, I want to ask is um, how do the different cultures that you are a part of influence you um, but also specifically related to your artistry and knowing your the worth of your writing how has has culture allowed that to be cultivated and to come into fruition or were you ever, um, like, I don't know, you're, you're South Asian, right? Yeah. So was it ever like, did you ever get comments that bogged you down or didn't allow that right into to this day to the, yeah. To this day. Yeah. Just three days ago, just three days ago. Yeah. My cousin, I was writing, I was in my cousin's room and I was writing and he was like, what are you doing? It's a waste of time. And I ignored him. And he was like, you know, if you could do something like, like make money or change the world with your writing, then you should do it. But otherwise it's a waste of time. And I looked no. up at him and I was like, and when I do change the world and make money, I'm not going to give you anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch like, me. Son. I was like, watch. Yeah. And, and, and that, and that, that ties into back, back into, I guess, culture. That's the Brooklyn in me. Mm. You know, that's, that's Brooklyn bred that in me. Like, just shut me. up. Don't let anyone tell you anything, no matter what it is. Yeah. Uh, so that's 
how Brooklyn culture shaped me. But no, we're in, in terms of the South Asian culture, the Pakistani culture. No, they did not cultivate it. Yeah. Uh, Islam did. The South Asian Pakistani culture did not. No, it was stunted by that. How did Islam do it? Which, sorry, because it, 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 all it, there's so much art in Islam. People don't even just like when you get it, when people like sing the verses of of Islam, sing the verses of a uh, even just the Azan. Mm-hmm. It moves Americans. It moves people that have no idea. I, I didn't know what was being said when I was a kid. It moved me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, how's that not art? That's that's totally art. Yeah, and like just the verse, like even in the Quranic verses. Now, now that I'm starting to read the Quran again, like in English for mm-hmm. the first time, by the way. Yeah. Thanks. I told you thanks to this friend of mine. Yeah. Her, she was an American, by the way. Her name was Amanda. Mm-hmm. She was like, you should probably read it by your own culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it took an American, a white, a white American, to tell me. For me to be like, okay, yeah. she's right. Oh, it totally. Uh, like, sometimes I'm like, you know, like post 9-11, we've been forced to confront yes. our religion and like what we know or what we think we know in order to be answerable. But it's actually, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, post 9-11 has been a breeze or whatever, but this one specific aspect, it's been pretty good to be able to like force, be forced to know your religion and actually know your shit. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, 9-11 actually did the opposite for me. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. 9-11 did the opposite for me. And that's, uh, yeah. Huh. I like, I was, you know, pushed away from my culture. I wanted to not As be like part of it. a protective a kind of measure or? Totally, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you read my story, Ryan, at the last. Yes. Was the last story. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That one was moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm visual, like physically, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty ambiguous. I look ambiguous. So if you look at me, you can't tell that I'm, you know, Pakistani or Muslim or any of that. Mm -hmm. So I could blend in. Mm -hmm. So after 9-11, it was more like, let me blend in and not let anyone know. Right. You know? So when did you decide to start um, being overt about this part of your identity, I guess, or exploring it even? About a week ago. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm serious. I'm being so serious. Yeah. No, this is brilliant. So yeah. what prompted that? I told you, I'm, like, your questions. Oh, right. Am- Amanda, she, she she was like, what are you, like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you look into your own? Right. <laughs> what she, this had is what she you looked born in- and raised as. Yeah. Had she looked into your, like, Islam or your culture more? I suspect that she did. Uh, she does because she knows things that I don't even know. So I, she just she doesn't admit it though. <laughs> oh, okay, so, <laughs> she's like guiding you instead. I, yeah, it seems that way. It seems that way, mm-hmm. I, but she's not admitting it. Right. Right. And how's it been this week? Uh, both frustrating and 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 uh, profound. Mm. Very profound. Yeah. Very profound. Yeah. Very profound. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think... A lot. Go ahead. No, no, go for it. Uh, This one very profound moment I had, um, I, like, I have, like, this attachment to um, a verse in the Quran. Mm -hmm. 
the autocracy. Yeah. I have a, just like a, it's like my, my guardian. Yeah. Um, the most terrifying experiences that I've been in, when, when you get to the core, I'm like, okay, just recite the autocracy and it will be fine. Yeah. Have you? And yeah, I recited it and mm-hmm. I'm back to normal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, go ahead. Have you heard like the um, hadith around it? With, no. Uh, so tell me. Um, so I'm I'm gonna get the numbers wrong, but it's it's the power of it is incredible. Um, if you recite it the first time, a certain number of angels come. If you mm. recite it the second time, like I think it's like seventy thousand or something angels come. Third time, God Himself has put a cloak around wow. you. Yeah, and I like. You're so it's so you're so right. This ayat has such power. Like the amount of times I've been so in situations power. where I just start reciting it and I just feel so protected. I've totally. had like female friends of mine say that you know they're walking alone at night. You know somebody suspicious is kind of behind them, trailing them. They put the, they recite this uh, surah just even once and then three times and they're safed saved i mean they're safeguarded um when i'm like driving in the snow and i've skidded like immediately or before my, my habit is to recite yeah. right like my mom has cultivated this i will forever thank her for this for cultivating this surah and the habit of reciting it three times when entering the car because there i've been in situations where i was like i would have died that day like i, I was totally. gone and alhamdulillah i'm still here but i I, I can't I can't say enough about this ayah it's incredible no seriously it, yeah. you become untouchable after that <laughs> yeah it, seriously I just become like the, yeah. like what are you gonna do to me go ahead I know. Like, like, that's what, that's what mu- it, it feels like yeah Muslim Avengers like honestly <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly I've become a superhero yeah <laughs> it's incredible oh man and that's so, yeah and, and like just just I just like look into the I had no idea. I looked into the so when I when I have that when I read that uh, it, inwards, I always get this image. We talk about metaphor. I always get this image of this like faceless king sitting on a throne, being like, "What are you worried about? I got you." <laughs> like <laughs> that's always I got the, the the image I got. And then I didn't even know what Ayatukursi even meant. I didn't even, or I did. I should have known, but I guess I was repressing it, blocking it. I don't know. Right. You can analyze that. But when I looked just the title of it, I was like, oh, my God, the birth of the throne. Yeah, yeah. That's, I was like, yo, that, that, these are the where the metaphors are coming from. Right. And, I, and I, I can't wait to read more of the Quran because I, since the age of four till 14, mm-hmm. I read the Quran daily. Daily okay. recited the Quran. And I read in Arabic. In yeah. Arabic. And I had no idea what it meant because I'm not Arabic. Right. But I, I know how to read Arabic. Pe- yeah, people find that so weird when I say it. It's like, I can read it, but I don't understand it. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But undoubtedly, like, we talk about metaphor and stuff. Undoubtedly, a lo- I'm about to enter a journey right now as I read more and more of the Quran in English because a lot of the metaphors and stuff in my head undoubtedly come from uh, those verses that must have stuck. Yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah. you talk about, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
that's all I can say right now. I have to. I have, I'm still learning. More. Yeah. So maybe we, you could do another interview in a year or two. I'm down. I'm so down. I'm just like, I, I'm, <laughs> and I'll tell you more. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think about what you're saying, and it's like you sound so alive. And one of the things in Ayatul Kursi mm-hmm. is like how talking about how Allah is like ever living and eternal and he's always awake and alert and it, it's almost like as long as he is doing that and he's in that state which i mean it's forever we ourselves have the hope of being able to do that and to be alive and alert and awake and i'm so i'm so interested in the journey you're about to embark on thank you yeah I well cool. I, I appreciate it thank you yeah no no for sure um, so I, I want to just touch quickly back on culture and, uh, your creativity. So it wasn't necessarily something that was fostered, but how did you, how did you not, I mean, I guess you, you, you've said you're, it's like the Brooklyn in you to say, no, like piss off, I'm going to do it and watch me do it. But how did you resist getting, you know, um, allowing it to subside and, kind of lay dormant instead of I mean instead of what you've done which is to foster it and cultivate it I, it's just I'm just I don't know I'm, I'm very I'm very stubborn yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been to the point of no return stubborn like uh, I've been beaten for doing you know like for doing my art and I've still been like go ahead you're not gonna stop me yeah you know like and I, like that's so uh, that's what happens when you try to oppress or repress. If they really wanted me to not do art, if they really wanted me, all they had to have said when I was like 11 or 12 been like, good job, keep going. I want you to do this. That's yeah. it. One thing I said, I wouldn't have done it. I would have stopped. I swear to God. But seriously, yeah. but like uh, art, art is, like, for me anyway, is like a manifestation of the spirit of rebellion in me. Mm. 100%. Mm. And do you think it will uh, always have that power for you or um I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Actually, I don't I even no know idea. like why I asked that. It's like something you can't even <laughs> answer. Yeah. <I> <laughs> um so you've said you've traveled a lot. So how has your traveling influenced you as a person in your writing or like the cultures that you've been exposed to, I guess. And I mean, being in New York, you're exposed to like a million cultures at once, but, um, so you don't technically even have to travel far. I mean, it gave me a lot of, a lot of my inspiration definitely comes from people that I've met, Mm. places that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just like, even just like me out in Asia alone, like I've traveled a lot of the United States. Mm. United States is a beautiful, beautiful country, beautiful country. And just like, I remember being out in Wyoming and looking at the sunset with buffaloes roaming. <laughs> I mean, this is in the United States. Yeah. This is in the United States. And I was like, oh my God, how is this not so, like a moment to write? Oof. You know, like it was just red and like, oh man, grass and they talk about, it's just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Did you capture that moment in your writing? I believe so. I don't have it anymore. That's another thing. I write so much, yeah. and then um, a lot of it I throw away. So that's probably why I don't know oh, what influences me. Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, what does it? So it doesn't pain you to throw it away? 
It does oh. at first. It did anyway. Yeah. Now it's it's like a part of the process, but um, it it did at first, and I I told myself I have to get over that in order for me to grow because you will. I, what when I decided to do that, I, for a while I was I was keeping things. And then I noticed that I I would go back and I'd read and like overanalyze and do a lot of navel gazing and and just like it was unhealthy. Mm. And um, I, I I then I was like when I decided to do it I was it was it was painful for sure but I I the what what motivated me to do it was I was like look you're you're gonna have loss your whole life yeah and if you can't have if you can't lose this. This is like this is like background chatter. This is not like a this is not a book we're writing. This is just stuff that we're writing. We can throw these things away. Hmm. It's almost so like I, I don't know. It's a weird. It um, there's a term in Islam called uh, zahid or zahud. Where mm-hmm. uh, have you heard of it? No, please tell it's, me. It's um, oh god, I can only remember the Arabic right now. But it's like uh, da 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 da. Uh, what is it? It's like removing yourself from worldly things, basically. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like it's a process as well of how you remove and um, what level you're at and whatever. But it's almost like you talking about how your writing process is so spiritual and other dimensional is right. like discarding these these moments that you've captured part of your way of advancing in that spiritual realm almost does that even make sense i believe so i mm. believe so that's what i believe mm. that's why i do it i don't know if it's good if it's like what everybody else should do or you know <laughs> right. if it works for anybody else but for me yeah i believe so oh interesting i mean it's also also protective too it's also protective because i've had a lot of issues with people invading my privacy mm. a lot mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and i still do constant. Mm-hmm. And so when they do, they read it, and when people read it, first of all, there's two things that happen. They don't understand that, A, it was that moment, number one. Right. Right? They don't understand that, no, I'm not thinking that anymore, and that's not who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. It was that moment, number one. Number two, this is just a habit of people. I don't know what it is, but they look at it, and they see themselves. Hmm. And, and then they start, he's talking about me. He's doing, the, you know, like, they get really... Right weird right defensive and defensive and even if I was talking about you why are you reading in the first place that's right. what <laughs> <you know? laughs> that's, that's what I yeah. I, I uh, yeah that's why I, the throwing away A yeah definitely I believe so because yeah. it, it puts total trust in that spiritual world mm-hmm. in that we're, I'm gonna get better than this this is garbage I'm gonna throw it away even though I'll, sometimes I throw away some really good stuff mm. uh, so that's that's how I advance in the spiritual world, I guess, yeah. but also as protective of my own self and of other. Right. So then, how do you know what you want to make public and publish, as opposed to just keeping it super private or throwing it out? Actually, I, I, I I'm just starting to make things public. I, mm-hmm. I have scores of stuff that I didn't throw out that I've never shown anybody. Right. Uh, but I'm just starting to now. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. That's a developing thing to yeah. do. What 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 I make public, what mm-hmm. not. That's a developing mm-hmm. thing too. What brought that on? That to make that to to decide that this is something you want to now start. Because another protective thing. Because because I was like, uh, 
people have people have like a people have like a tendency to like if you are, are keeping something private to just want to look at it right you know like right. I, like I can't have it. so like this this is like now that I'm like for example I wrote these like just in the last week I wrote about seven seven me- very metaphor rich I'll send them to you if you yeah, like, for sure. Very yeah. metaphor rich. Yeah. They were inspired by the Quran, actually. Oh, awesome. Very metaphor rich poems, or whatever you want to call them, passages or a- aphorisms. Mm-hmm. And, and they're very metaphor rich, and they're very ambiguous. So when you read them, you, you will interpret it in your own way. Mm. And I wrote these, and I, I like, I, I realized, okay, if I don't show this to people, people are going to want to look at it. Mm. You know? yeah. But if for some reason I email it to like all my friends, nobody's ever gonna care, and nobody's ever gonna even look at it or read it. <laughs> that's that's just how it is. Temptation for you, yeah. Yeah. So I was so I just was like okay, and I sent it to my little sister. I sent it to a couple of friends, and I was like, you know, peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was I was gonna ask you something, but then I got so lost in what you said. Um, oh man, what was I gonna ask you? Oh, it's not coming to me right now. I'll ask you if I think about it. But um, I guess you've kind of the, just the way the conversations flowed. You've talked about your process of writing, but I want to kind of dig a little further into that. Um, just. How do you, I mean, sorry, I'm such a process heavy person. Um, so if you if feel free to just not just be like, shut up now, like you've asked so many things. Um, but how do you, I guess, um, do you ever research while you're writing? Is that, is that oh, a yeah. part of your process? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So how does that, um, does that ever interrupt the flow of, you're writing and this the the realm that you're in or do you no it's a part of the flow it's a part of the flow mm. it's definitely a part of the flow it's and it's so easy to do I have one window with Microsoft Word and one window with Wikipedia so I, <laughs> so like I just go back and forth back and forth back and forth yeah and a lot of this is this is talk about process and this is I've been not, I've been trying to especially since you know we spoke I've been mm-hmm. trying to notice more and more of my process right. a lot and this is interesting a lot of times I'll be writing and the words will come out and I'll be like I have no idea what this word means I know that I, this is a word oh and isn't that cool and yeah. then I go and look up, look it up and it's the per- perfect word that's it's super cool it's the perfect word oh my god it's really cool and, and I think it's a testament to what what I said earlier when I throw things out like I do get better. It becomes a part of my psyche, those words, obviously, mm-hmm. because I don't know where these, what these words mean sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you um, measure um, your success in your writing? Like, how do you measure that, that um, evolution of getting better in your writing? It's just like I read it and if I like it. Yeah. It's quite <laughs> instinctual. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, stem from external validation if that's what you're asking um, uh, yeah I, I don't guess really so, share yeah. it yeah I don't really share yeah do you have any fears around sharing it more not really hmm. I just don't I just didn't really think any, anybody would care I was like 
and people don't generally. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't. So that's that's what um, uh, that's why I never really shared. But I don't really have that much fear. No. Okay, that's that's good to hear. That's that's nice. Um, how do you then deal with writer's block? Do you ever get it? I've had it for like four years. Mm. I think that was the longest I went. Yeah. Was that, what was that period was like? Bad, but what I do is I, depressing. Yeah. It was. I, I'm that. If anything, I feared going into that period again. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I still don't know what caused it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember the moment where I stopped. I was sitting in my car, like really sad, because I was like, I don't know. I can't really write. It's been yeah. four years. Yeah. <laughs> and then and and like a little. Like a little what? Excuse me? No, what did she say? Like a little Tinkerbell. I said a little Tinkerbell, like, in my in my tummy. Right. Suddenly, like, rose and went all the way into my throat. Right. I really, I swear to God, that's what I felt like. It's, like a light was... Yeah. And then I started writing again. Sprinkling some magic dust back into you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then did that... Um, did that fuel, did those four years just come, like, rushing out and fuel the writing that you've done? Or you did, Sin? I guess so. I haven't stopped since, so I yeah. guess so. That's awesome. Um, one of the things, we're going we're gonna to switch it up a bit um, before we get back to talking about process, but um, one of the things I love, and I spe- guys, this is where, like, you definitely need to go listen to the Hidden Scribes podcast, because you were talking about stuff that you were working on, and even just through this podcast, I freaking love how excited you are and you get. Because oftentimes when you hear <laughs> interviews with people that are authors, um, poets, or whatever the medium is, it's after the fact that they're promoting stuff. It's never during the process uh, of writing. And I, ju- I honestly, mm. that excitement is so invigorating and infectious. And I just think it's so cool how passionate you are i'm sure others are about their own work but you just don't ever get a chance to experience that with the with the person whilst they're going through it um so right, i just wanted right. to point out, yeah i just thought it was super cool um Definitely. thank you i appreciate that yeah. do you do you actually have oh, another another thing just 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 to answer your question earlier mm-hmm. about the writer's blog i still do get it sometimes but I, when that happens i reach out to my other writer friends like i have this one writer friend Jen who's really good mm-hmm. and she's all she's awesome she lives out in California mm. so I just reached, I re- reached out to her like what what should I do yeah <laughs> I have writer's block yeah and my other friend I mean, all, all artist friends in general mm. I reach out you know so like you said at the beginning we, we do need each other yeah no it's true it's very true are there any um like Oh, actually, I'll ask this after. Uh, let's just let's let's do something creative right now. So yeah, like I mentioned to you, um, I'm gonna give you a surprise storyline that I made up, and I just want you to roll with it. Huge disclaimer. Okay. I, I don't I don't think these are that great, but I can't think of anything else. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not the author. Okay, I'll make you great. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Make Samia great again. Let's get that on a red hat. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you two options, actually. Okay? And you can just go with okay. whichever one you want, and we'll do it for, like, I don't know, a couple minutes. See how it goes? 
Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, so the first one. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, the first one is um, you you or a character has created a computer virus that is capable of spreading to every computer, tablet, smartphone, smartphone in the world. Um, and it takes over the device's screen and displays something else. So it's like a message or an image, an animation, whatever. So what does it display and why? This is very much Kingsman-inspired, if you've watched the film. Um, The second uh, option is you're a construction worker, and while in the middle of a dig to build a new building, you stumble upon a box with contents in it. Um, and there are ver- five very specific items in it, along with a note. And the note says, when you find this, call me. And that's the only, f- that this is only phase one. And there's a phone number, so you call it. What happens next? So you can do either of the two. And what, what items are in there? That's for you to determine. So there's five, and it just says, the note that says, call me and they're going to tell you what to do next. So what happens next and what the five items are and what you do with that is up to your discretion. Okay, I can do both of them if you like. Yeah, I mean, are you okay doing both for... I mean, if yeah, okay, perfect. You could even connect the two if you wanted. And whichever... Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, whichever whichever, I mean, whichever one you like, I'll do both of them. Whichever. Um, yeah. So, so imme- you want me to tell you immediately or you want me to take a minute? Because I'll tell you immediately what's happening in my head. Yeah, I, li- I want to know immediately. Yeah, no, I want to I know immediately. Uh, okay. Well, immediately for the computer virus one, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I would, the message that's coming to my head immediately that I would display and I'm imagining like people walking in the streets and in New York City and everyone just looks at their phone and it would say, let me write it out first before okay. I say it. would say you're safe no one's going to harm you go home you don't know who this is flip to everyone in new york city <laughs> everyone in the world <laughs> oh my god that's so intense okay <laughs> that's what it would say <laughs> okay <laughs> why and then- and then we'd follow, I mean, exactly. And then we'd follow like maybe five characters who, who take that as a message. Like I need to go home and figure out why it's telling me to go home. And then we would follow five characters who would go home for the first time. They're not on their phones. Their phones are gone and their computers are gone. All they have is this thing. And they start discovering their home life, which has been gone for ever since this phone came out. Ooh, that's interesting. And so... How, do you think the fear that comes with the message or just even not having that phone accessible or any of their devices accessible to them, will that dissipate or how will the characters kind of cope with that? 
Well, the fear is what would motivate them to go home first. Like, why? Why? Why is he telling me to go home? Right. What's not gonna happen at home? Right. And then they they go home, and in my head, okay, the first character in my head that I'm picturing is he goes home, and it's it's his like aging mother in his mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. who's fine. She's nothing's happening to her. She's just fine. Yeah. And she's just like knitting or something. <laughs> but he likes for the first time in like. 10 years or however long since the iPhone came out, actually sits with her and has a cup of tea with her and mm-hmm. talks to her. Mm-hmm. Who does that anymore? Agreed. Uh, and cool. it's totally normal. No, nothing, nothing's happening. She doesn't even know because she's not using a smartphone, so she has no idea <laughs> that what's what's happening. She's the only one <laughs> so that's not no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And like, are there um, long-term effects for this fear? You know, are they thinking? No, I think the fear. I I think I think the once every once each character who is like fearing the worst, paranoid and anxious, and goes home. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the anxiety would for the first three days, I'm sure, be like really powerful because I can't go three hours without my phone mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like I get anxious. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. So, like, but yeah, it would dissipate eventually. That'd yeah. be the goal. That's why I sent that message in the first place to get people to realize they don't need their phone. Right? Do you to think relax? Exactly. Do you think that <laughs> they would, um, like, would it would it be something that's just always hanging over them? Um, okay, I'm gonna get super intense, in, and I and I just just it's just the way. Uh-huh. It's just things I've been listening to recently, so it's not that it's in a direct correlation of what you're thinking or anything. But when you're thinking about um, folks who are DACA recipients and they don't know any minute when they could be deported or when ICE could be coming knocking at their door, they're just living with this constant. Ooh. I know, I know, I know. That's why I was like, I needed to put it out. That's, that's good. Not what, that's like, very good. You know that's I mean? very good. Okay, so that's what. So that's just my thing. It's like there's this constant fear that they're living in of an unknown. And whilst you know they may start reconnecting with home life, with family life, uh, with themselves again, do you think just given the nature of the message, there would still be a constant fear? Like clouding. You're totally them. right. I didn't even think. Of, think. Of, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. They would be afraid. They would be afraid. They'd be like, "Who did this?" Yeah. <laughs> Unless you send them like a follow up. <laughs> no, wait. You can't. They don't have they accounts. Go- <laughs> I can't. Right. They. They probably wouldn't even go home. They probably. <laughs> they probably leave. They, no, you're totally right. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I mean, and and what's interesting is that. Would they, I guess maybe like pandemonium would occur where they're, they're like, did you get this message? Did you get this message? But so that's like one way of knowing that it's not spam or anything. Yeah, right. Right. Cause right. I, my right. thing would be like, I, what the fuck? <laughs> Unknown. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you think any of these characters' lives would intersect with each other? You know, those films were like somehow everyone meets yeah. like, dipsously. Exactly. Yeah. Th- that's why they wouldn't. That's why they wouldn't. Because everybody does that. That's like that's like a thing that I, I try not to do that those things that that, you know, everybody does. Yeah. But it would be interesting. It would be interesting like maybe like there'd be a tag team duo that is like, what's going on? Yeah. 
but I don't know. I, the whole the whole lives intersect. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think I would do that. But I think it's also interesting if they would be quite isolated in their own homes and exactly. like seeing that rediscovery again and like really delving totally, into that. Totally. I, yeah. I think that's awesome. Totally. And like, uh, I'm thinking, I'm imagining like a, 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 a young woman who, who, who lives alone, let's say, right. She'd be afraid too. She'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why would I go home? For, why am I going home? Right. Um, but like when she enters that, when she does finally go home, she notices that the handle on her bed rest has grooves in a pattern that she never noticed before, even though she sleeps in that bed every night for right. the last 15 years. Right. She has no, she never noticed that this beautiful flower is in, is stuff like that. Like seriously, things around you yeah. that you don't even yeah. really pay attention to. Yeah. Our senses are, you know, like heightened. I was, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Or like she would, she would, and what would people do without their phones and computers? They'd lay on their bed with their eyes open, and then she notices, like, oh, my God, on my ceiling, it looks like it has a birthmark. <laughs> I'm literally oh, looking at my ceiling now. It's <laughs> like, what have I not noticed? Oh, really? Yeah. There's a ladybug somehow up there. Yeah. That'd be actually... There's a ladybug, really? Yeah, I don't know how it got there. My room attracts a lot of ladybugs for some reason. I don't really know why, but... That's, that's funny yeah <laughs> nothing else but yeah so that's a, that'd be a good cool direction I mean you could, and if I if I use five different characters the DACA one would be definitely be a, a character that I'd like to write about really that's a good one ooh okay what would that's happen? a really good one thank that's you. a really good one. Oh, thank you what would happen to that um character I don't think he, he I don't think he or she would go home right until it became apparent that like okay this is just this is just like a, a mass thing yeah uh, I don't think he was she were going I think he was she would stay on the streets oh that's interesting and it also like points to the direction of how little we trust humanity or each other or whatever mm. or even ourselves I guess um but ooh well, that would be interesting actually Okay, okay. Do you want to write? I might write this. I <laughs> yeah. might write this. Dude, do it. do it. Oh my God, that would be so cool if you write. Can you send it to me? Absolutely, Thank absolutely. You. I'd love to. It's awesome. Have you watched The Kingsman? No, I haven't. Uh, they're such fantastic films. I love them. Um, but I, I don't know if you should watch it before or after writing it. But either way, I think it's a fantastic film. I'll, write, I'll watch it after. I'll watch it after. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's so good. There's two. And then I'll make any. I mean, what, what, it's up to you. This is this is this is gonna this. You're gonna be guide me. Do you want me to watch it before I write it? What do you What do you think? No. Um. I think I think watch it afterwards. Okay. I think that would be Don't cool. That would be fun. Yeah. That'd be fascinating. Okay. So, did you want to do the uh, other cool. one? Sure, the okay. construction one. Yeah, do you want me to read it again? Uh, no, no, it? I, I, he, he finds a, he found a box, right? Yeah, five items that you you pick what those items are, and only a note that says when you find this, call me, and then it just goes from there. Okay, so let's go to through the items first. Okay. First one will be goggles. Ooh, okay. okay. Just like a pair of like swimming goggles. 
Yeah, I mean a little more, a little more fancy like, looking. Yeah, I guess like a Google Google gla- or, Google whatever. What are they? Google glasses. Google glasses. Yeah. Yeah, like something like that, or a step down. <laughs> no, no, it's just like, like it could be that. That's interesting. It could be. It could be technological, or it could mm. be magical. Ooh, okay. But. Yeah, whatever. I mean, what's magic? Magic is technology I don't understand yet. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's what that's yeah. what magic is. Mm-hmm. But uh, when he wears them, he notices some people look really ugly and really, really like talking about bile coming out of their teeth. Mm. Uh, and then he takes them off; they're back to normal. But he puts them back on to look really. Some people, not everybody. Some people look right. really ugly. And some people, and then some people look totally normal. So that's weird. Can I stop the you first. there for a second? Just to yeah. just to interject with what that reminded me of is there's um, a scholar in the Middle East, and um, like I, I believe this. I believe that certain people, once they reach a certain spiritual state, are endowed with um, you know different attributes and stuff, and different. <sighs> Powers sounds I don't know. I know I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? I, I but it, like, so his his you say powers and people are gonna think you're crazy. Yeah, ex- exactly. And so his thing is that he now has the ability. If he looks at you, he sees your form that you will you you your your um spiritual form. But it could be either mm. you could be human, which means that you're like super good or whatever or it could take the form of an animal so Uh, it could be like a dog or a pig and then whatever connotations are attributed to that so i mean he doesn't look at people just because he doesn't want to have those biases anymore but that's kind of just what your glasses reminded me of there is that there's this man who has this ability to do this um but yeah anyway i want to meet this guy i want to see what he thinks of me i know right i I, I want to i want (laughs) <laughs> like a, a quarter life century life evaluation right now that's what i want totally totally oh. <laughs> all right sorry anyway and then the second item okay the second item would be a magical pen or technological pen mm-hmm. right that when he starts writing it writes for him mm. like he'll sit down to say like hello but it'll say like welcome you know, oh. have you and seen then he'll Harry say Potter? like, "What is it?" Uh, I just said, "Have you seen Harry Potter?" Oh yeah, it's Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling is my one of my most influential authors Ooh, yeah, whatsoever. She, she's the bomb. Comment. She's incredible. But she, it, I love her. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking about the pen that um, uh, what's it? Rita Skeeter uses. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's kind of like... Yeah, it would write for it. Yeah. That's how I've interpreted this pen of yours. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So, but this pen is like... Okay, I'm so here on board. Why why does the pen write different things to what you say? Because the pen is... What I'm thinking is the pen is... The pen is like communicating with him what... Who, whoever gave him that box, put messages in the pen that will communicate with him. You know when 
when he's ready, when he's ready, when he's ready to hear whatever he has to hear. Oh my God, that's so so cool. he might be trying to write hello, but it'll say like, "Welcome, child. You you, you finally open your eyes." <laughs> Something like that. So fun! Oh my God. Oh, I want this to be a story too. Okay. This is cool too. Yeah, this is cool too. This is cool too. I agree. I agree. This is definitely cool. Oh my god, it's like so Lord of the Rings ish almost. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got the goggles and we've got the pen that is like yeah, the yeah, Godfather. The <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. All right, let's see what else we got. He'd have. He'd have a newspaper mm. of tomorrow okay what year is this okay. by the way this is my present day okay cool it's present day he have a newspaper of tomorrow and it's he doesn't know it when he see when he picks it up at first and he may not even know throughout the story until the like it'll it'll be a slow reveal but at first, when he reads it, it's like the newspaper of tomorrow. It's literally tomorrow, mm. and like the storyline, the story is like mass chaos and panic, and the rise of this like you know evil thing. I don't know, just like something horrible, mm-hmm. something something bad. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What the hell?" But slowly, as he's going through whatever his mission is or whatever, like bits and bits of the words in in the in the newspaper start changing articles start changing and the, and he doesn't even realize this but the date keeps changing to be tomorrow 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 this is so exciting so so yeah and then and then so as he as he like accomplishes whatever he has to accomplish the articles start changing and then eventually you know, whatever happens at the end of the story is whatever happens at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could change to be totally good, or it could change to be actually bad. Who knows? Wow. Okay. I don't know yet. Yeah. I know. So that's, th- that's the third mm-hmm. item. And then the fourth, he'd have. Uh, oh. Totally. He'd have the. He he may not even realize this at first until he look, finally finds a mirror. But he have a. You ever seen those theater masks, the smiling ones, and the and the and the like. You know what I'm talking about. I forgot the name of it. But there's two masks. One smiling, one sad. Like the anonymous uh, masks. Sure, you could t- talk about the anonymous masks. Uh-huh. By the way, that's from another one of my favorite authors. I don't know if you know uh, Alan Moore. No. Uh, yeah, that mask is not anonymous. That's from this book called V for Vendetta. Oh, right. Okay. I haven't seen uh, the film. This con- this like... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but fine. You can have a mask of like that. But yeah. but it, it would be totally blank. It would just have eye slits. Oh, okay. Uh, and when he puts it on, he doesn't know this, but when he puts it on, yeah, you know, it changes his appearance uh, to fit his surroundings. So it's like a chameleon, a chameleon mask. This is so exciting. Okay, I'm here for. I'm here for this. This is amazing. So that's, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's that. Okay. And then the last item, the last item he'd have is a is a headset. Okay. So that you- that's the only thing. It's present day. It's a headset, mm. and when he puts it on, uh, nothing happens. Mm. Um, it's kind of speaking to about nothing happens at first. Maybe maybe something will happen. I don't know. Obviously, something's gonna happen. Something's gonna talk to him through it eventually. Right. Uh, oh. But or maybe he's talking into it, and somebody else is listening. Who knows? Oh, but that's the only mysterious item that that doesn't do anything. Right, and he's gonna okay, okay. This is exciting. Okay, and and yeah, I like this one too. Yeah, I don't, go ahead. And you you don't do you kind of know where you want it to go or what kind of themes would be portrayed or? Uh, yeah, it would. Well, the first thing he'd have to explore is why do some some people look ugly and some not? Because he goes back home to his wife and his wife looks ugly. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. That's he's painful. like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what's go- yeah. So he has to explore that. Okay. Um, and uh, so it, it would be this, it would be like a, I think it would be like a, a, a learning curve story for a superhero because he's essentially now a superhero right mm-hmm. uh, he's essentially now a superhero he's got those goggles that show him whatever and then he's got a chameleon mask those are the only two things you I would need to be a superhero <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's all the idea to be a superhero <laughs> you literally like revolutionize the what kind of, if you were a superhero, what would your power be? Everyone's like, oh, I would fly. I would like a bionic vision or would hear. No, you're like chameleon mask. <laughs> epic. That's it. That's all I need. It's brilliant. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so... What were we... Do- we were... What, what, what were we saying was the Avengers or like... Oh, I told Corsi. Okay. So, thank you. Yeah, I think like, oh my god, this, yeah. This this guy like the, reads, he's a Muslim superhero and he reads the Arthur Quincy too. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. This is awesome. Okay. That's brilliant. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That was really fun. Alright, so do you do you have anything else you want to add to either of the stories or shall we go back to process? You know what? I just want to clarify. Maybe the headset is is what he used to call whoever the number he has to call. That's what the headset's for. It's like a private line. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But also, on on the side, it could be something that it turns out that he also, it's also something. There's hidden, there's something hidden in there as well. Totally. Totally. Can you please make Like the, like the. You want me to make both? Okay. I'll write them both. I mean, no. Do do what you want. This this one would take me a while, but the, the other one I could write. Oh, awesome! Pretty. Okay. But yeah, I could write them both. Okay, that'd be fun. It would it would be, it would be fun if also like you recorded that and then I could put that up as well. Like not not oh, right wow, sure. not right now not right now but I mean like after this podcast is released so people know what's happening and then like you know whenever you're done that's something that I could also upload. Oh, Do you know what interesting. I mean? Yeah. Oh, interesting. It would be super gotcha, cool to gotcha. see like. Okay what has evolved from it oh wow that would be interesting be really that cool. would be very interesting yeah oh i got that i'm excited okay cool. 
so yeah. Anything else you want to add or um, show? No, you? we're good. All right. So one. <laughs> It's like, how do you transition from this? But okay. One of the things that um, I noticed in your writing is um, it was always written in first person. So is that something that is that like, you know, since you've been writing since you were in kindergarten, is that something that has always been the case or have you ever had characters? Um, and why is it like, why, why do you? typically write in first person well i don't know was the, the title what do you mean the title was 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 in first person was it uh, oh it was you're saying it was it was it was through the perspective of one character you're saying. Right, right sorry yeah but oh okay wait yeah so i should clarify this okay so it's 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 written in first person but either it's through a character or it's literally through you right yeah so how do you um you know, I sometimes maybe the character isn't explicit and it feels like it's coming from you or vice versa. So how do you know when you want it to be through the eyes of a character or through your 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 uh, your moments, your personal moments or whatever? Well, or your thoughts. If it's something that I want to, if it's something that I want to write about, something that I experience, then it's going to be me. Yeah. Uh, if it's something that I want to write that even if it is my experience, but I don't want people to know that I had that experience, mm-hmm. then I would, you know, I would, I would. Right. Like, for example, if I went to that, if I went to that man, if I was that man who could see you and see that you were, you have a dog spirit or if you have like a, you know, whatever giraffe spirit, <laughs> right. uh, whatever it is, if I was that man, I would never write, Hey, this is what I see. I would never, mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons. First, because there'd be like a a flow of people being like, "What do you see with me? What do you see with me?" That's what, and I'd be like, "I don't want to talk to you." Yeah. Uh, it's but also, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but also, people would call you crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. People would, and you'd probably be institutionalized, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the things that I, especially when it comes. To to the things that I experienced in the spiritual realm because I experienced some very, very, very surreal things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, I don't put that in as me. I put that in as a character. Mm. Um, that's one. But also, if, if, if there's a character that I, whose views I don't agree with, mm-hmm. but I understand, mm-hmm. I would put that in another character. That's um, interesting. I don't know if every character I create. If there's a part of me in there or not, I don't know. Maybe some writers say that that's that, that's what it is. Right. J.K. Rowling thing I think says that's what it is. Right. But I, I disagree. I don't think that's necessarily true. If I write about like I don't know a Nazi, I'm not a Nazi. You know? Right. Like, <laughs> but uh, is it something that you know? There's something about a Nazi that resonates. Not re- okay. That's the bad word. That's right. a bad word. But not like no, no, that, no, no, that I you want to explore. No, no, I understand. Right? I understand. Yeah. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Thank God. Like the rage. The, right. the wrath behind the Nazi that motivates it to become yeah yeah mm-hmm. I get it mm-hmm. that's in all of us right yeah. the darkness is on on all of us right uh, yeah she, okay fine J.K. Rowling is right there is there is <laughs> listen let's just accept right. that we need to bow down to her <laughs> totally so totally she's a hundred percent that I love her yeah she's hundred percent oh man and then um and and is it ever some like 
you know, okay, okay, aside from like, okay, maybe there's something about you within each character, but is it ever something that's just like complete escape or it's not you? It's just some fantasy world that, I, mean, I don't know, yeah, like, is, is it ever something that is complete escape from you or that you, that you use to, to... The environment is, the envi- environments are, environments mm. are, like, the environment that I create sometimes are, like, I, just, I was just telling you about those seven, seven short stories or whatever, seven poems, seven aphorisms I wrote, one yeah. of the environment that I created was, like, this forest, that I've never been to, but it's, but I, I, I visualized it. I experienced it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the environments are, the characters are usually, I think she's right. Seriously. I think JK Rowling is right. Yeah. They usually are parts of me. Right. Or like themes that you want to explore in other people or whatever, whatever. Right. That's right. Nice. So what is it, what is it about the environment that leads you to, fantasize about it or like com- like create something new why is it in why is environment that thing that speaks to you in terms of I don't know because you know, so I guess. if you could if you could transport yourself anywhere ever mm-hmm. in like in the universe why wouldn't you go to different places right you know like and I, and I essentially my uh, that's what I'm doing. What I'm imagining, I am. I, I feel. I'm immersed in these environments yeah. when I write it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. I really am. I'm believing that that's where I am. I'm believing I'm on Helos when I write. When I'm on Helos, I believe it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. And and then so yeah. Is it ever hard coming back to reality when you're in those environments that you've created? You have to become like a. You have to become like a walker of two worlds almost. You have to like. Cause like I am in reality, even when I am not in reality, mm. I'm I'm in both, um, and that took a while to create to strike that balance. It took a long time because there were times where I would just be immersed into the fantasy, and I, I you know, I'd forget to eat sometimes. Um, mm. But it took a while, and you have to become somebody who who can do both. Right. Uh, you know, you have to develop your own. I develop my own way, but you have to develop your own, you know, some people, and that's not just, it's not just, I mean, this is why people do things like, I think like, I don't know if you know the Pomodoro technique where when you're working, you put in a 20 minute timer oh. and every 20 minutes it goes steak and you take a break. Right. Right. But that's, what is it? What is that? What is that essentially doing? It's snapping you out of the reality that you just, right. You're working. So <laughs> I'm <coughs> yeah. an artist. So I have exciting realities. Some people have their realities is just Excel, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft Word, whatever, like right. punching in numbers. That's still, that's still a reality that they got to snap out of. Right. 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 Um, Especially we get too focused. So it's still it, a reality. So this, it's almost like this, um, this writing has quote unquote parented you to, to, you yeah. Know, figuring out balance or whatever. So has it, how else has it parented you, you know, in understanding more about yourself or the way you want to live your life or, um, you know, strike balance or whatever it is? Well, it, it promotes, first of all, it promotes constant change, mm-hmm. which is good and also can be overwhelming. Right. Um, but it also has, there's like this aura of like radical acceptance, right? Like everything I write, I will be accepted. I will mm-hmm. be, it's okay. Mm-hmm. 
and that I can't I can't thank enough. I can't be grateful enough for that. That little space that it's, that yeah. I've created in this for however little time I am on this world, I, that little space that I found. Yeah. That no matter what I say, no matter what I say, it's always going to be smiling at me. Oof. Oh. That's deep. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. I th- I'm going to leave it at that. Like I'm not going to ask you a follow up in terms of Thank that. You. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Um we're almost we're basically almost done. Um but I guess I I want to and we've we've talked about it, but um who are you influenced by? And why? J.K. Rowling. Yeah, definitely. J.K. Rowling. I grew up with Harry Potter. I, w- I was 12 years old when the first book came out. Then I, I was 13 when the second came out. Then okay. th- 14 when the you yeah. know third came out. Like the, I, I followed his ages. Yeah. I, I followed his ages. Yeah. So like, I was Harry. I was I was Harry. I was Hermione. Yeah. I was never Ron. But <laughs> I, I Ron. Ron's just doofus. I love Ron, but he's just a doofus. Uh, yeah, it's hard you know, to uh, yeah. So they were like my friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they were like my best friends growing up. I would talk to them, and I was especially when I was living in Pakistan. Yeah, the fifth book came out when I was living in Pakistan. The Order of the Phoenix. Oh my God, I love the Order of the Phoenix. It's, it's it was such an awesome, epic book. Yeah. Um, it's so true. It's so true. And yeah, I, I, I would talk to them in my head. Oh yeah, it is. I would talk to them in my head. I'd be like, "Okay, what do I do now, Harry?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> things like that. You know, so I, I laugh, love, I but like, her. I'm pretty sure every fan of Harry Potter has like some sure. moments where it's like that, where it's like, yeah, I, I, I am in. Like, I've waited for my Hogwarts. I still wait for that freaking letter, even though I know it's make believe. Yeah, like somebody's gonna send it. I would. I, oh my god, me too. I would swear to God, I would. I would. I would. I would I, when I was twelve, yeah. I was still young, but I would be like, "When's the owl coming?" I swear, <laughs> yeah. I would believe that. Honestly, oh, aside, I have a Harry Potter stamp kit that I got for my, a birthday present. Literally, one of the greatest uh-huh. treasures of my life. Like, it it has wow. the seal. It has the Hogwarts seal, and so I, uh, yeah, oh, wow. I, it's it's incredible. I wrote letters out to like friends and family, um, and it was it was it was the most like life affirming, life gratifying thing. It was like everything I've ever done has led to this moment. <laughs> it was super existential <laughs> for me. I loved it. Like, <laughs> you don't know where to go from there yeah no it's like what purpose do i have do yeah it's like i finished the office and i've done my harry potter letters i don't really have much left to do in this world i don't think oh i'll figure it out that's funny <laughs> but uh um, yeah. yeah you're doing great thing here oh, this, this podcast you're doing you're doing great thing thank you well a new purpose i guess and what other other um Art, artists or authors have influenced Alan Moore. You, right? Yeah. Is it Alan just Moore. that, like, Alan Moore's in, yeah. In general, or was it, like, only V for Vendetta or other things that he's authored? No, no, in general. Yeah. In general, anything you pick up of his that you and read, that's one of the few authors that I that I can say that about. Seriously, you'll be, he wrote a story about Superman. That he's a, he does for he writes for comics. Ooh. Um, okay. And he, and he he wrote. They told him to do Superman, and he he wrote it as if Superman's last day, like he the death of Superman. He wrote. Oh. It was amazing. And then he he 
it was incredible. It was incredible. And he, uh, there was another one. Um, he, he like they they when he first came onto the scene, there was a superhero. There was like a superhero called the Swamp Thing that was doing not good. Okay. So he was like a young kid, and they were like, okay, if you here, this is a failing comic. Do something with it. And he reignited it. Everybody started loving it. He, uh, he, he he put an existential theme. So the Swamp Thing is this guy who fell into a swamp and then comes out and now he's like a swamp monster and he doesn't know what to do. And Alan Moore, I don't know how he does these things. Alan Moore is incredible. Like the first page of that, of the first issue of Swamp Thing is of the re-renovated Swamp Thing that he made was the Swamp Thing realizing, wait a minute, I don't need my heart and I'm still alive. I don't need my brain and I'm still alive. I don't need my organs and I'm still alive. I'm not that mad anymore. I just have his memories. I'm something else. Oh. And became. I know. How did he. He created yeah. an existential yeah. like, crisis out of. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. He took like a hokey, hokey thing and he just made something beautiful out of it. The first page. He's oh. incredible. Oh Alan Moore is, is amazing. I, I gotta I gotta get my hands uh, on that. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. If you, well, if you need to read, if you read anything, you gotta read Watchmen. That was the okay. That that's the only comic book. That's the only comic book that 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 Time Magazine had put into like the most important books in the past hundred years. When the oh, at the turn of the century in two thousand, right? Watchmen. Watchmen was the only comic book that was because like it really it changed the world in terms of comic in the comic world. Oh wow. Um, Big comic book authors went home and ripped up their manuscripts after they read Watchmen because they were like, "This is just." I'm not going to say anything more. Just okay. pick it up. Yeah. And, and read it. Okay, I'm going to my comic. It's about it's it, 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 the story follows. The story is like in 1939 when the first Superman comic came out. Right. A bunch of people got inspired and became masked heroes. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a real world event. So it, it follows like these 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 people that got inspired by the Superman comic and tried to be heroes and then failed because you can be a hero. It's just really good. I'm not gonna say anything else. Okay. Okay. No, I'm super intrigued now. Okay. I will do yeah, that. And I the guess. last author. Yeah. Uh, the last author I would say was Tim O'Brien. Um, I he he does a bunch of Vietnam. Uh, yeah, Memoirs. hold on, was, I think I'm, hold on, I'm just going to my bookshelf, because I think, yeah, uh, The Things They Carried? The Things They Carried, yeah, yeah okay. The Things They Carried. I was meant to read that in uni, and I opted for a different book, so I actually have to read it. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, you don't, you, if you're going to read anything, just just read How to Tell a True War, there's an essay in there, How to Tell a True War Story. I still read that every time I, I sit down to read, to write something about myself. Yeah. I read that. It's it's like it's a very the lesson in there is very good. Basically, the lesson in there is honesty and truth aren't synonymous. If you want to hit the truth, you know. Whoa! Wait, what? Honesty yes. and truth are not synonymous. Yeah, read read the story. Read the story. Okay, I is, can't explain. He explains it better. Is it in that the things they carried, or it's in a different? Yeah, it's in the things they carry. Okay. It's called How to Tell a True War Story. It's right in there. The things they okay. carry. Okay. Why? Why do you um, read? Like, what? It, it's because of that message that you read it every time. Well, especially when you get to war, stories like war. Hmm. Um, 
uh, you can't be honest because if I honest, he, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take the impact away from okay. what he wrote by telling, explaining to you. Yeah. Because it's, it's very moving. It's the truth in order to get to the truth. For example, if the man who has, uh, who, who has the ability to see the spirit, in you goes to wants to tell the truth and he's honest about it and tells people, Hey, I can see the spirit. You, you have a spirit of a, you know, hyena. Right. They're going to laugh at him. Right. But if he, if he tells the truth, he'll say, listen, you are wild. You are, you know what I mean? He's not telling, he's not being honest and telling people like, I see you as an animal. He's telling the truth. He's telling you, this is what I get from it. This is what you're wild. You attack things that are bigger than you. You, you run in packs and you laugh a lot. Right. Something like that. You know what I mean? That, huh. So, like, in order to hit the truth, can't always be honest. Because if you be, be honest, people won't take you seriously. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to read that. There's, oh, there's too many things I need to read. Um, okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. And, um... It's short. Sorry? I said it's very short. Oh, okay. Uh, how to tell a true war story. It's very short. Okay. I am, I'm on it. I'll do that t- this weekend, hopefully. Um, and... What was I going to ask? Oh, uh, what are you working on right now? Like, is there anything that... Main thing I'm working on right now is uh, the Starling story. uh, That's the working title, the Starlings. Mm. It's a big story. It's going to be like three, at least trilogy. (laughs) Oh, wow. I know. It's going to take me a long time. It's going to take me like at least three, four years to finish it. Wow, okay. Uh, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I just started right expanding, you know, the religion on Helos. It's getting mm, it, so it's gonna take a while. Okay. That's the main thing. But I also uh, got this story about this guy who finds a box full of goggles and a pen and a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was smooth. That was super smooth. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Nice, nice. Thought. Well, that's the one I really intrigued. Yeah. No bias whatsoever involved in this story. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that was so smooth. <laughs> it's just replaying in my head. <laughs> Like I definitely need you to record that. I need this. I'm like, oh my god, I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh lord. Okay. Okay. So Starlings. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ooh, I gotta recompose myself again. No, I love it. Okay. Okay. I'm back. I'm back on this one. Welcome back. Yeah. Shit, man. I can't. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to ask you the next question. I'm not even going to, like... 
Go for it. Uh, if you had any advice to aspiring writers, what would it be? To stop listening to advice. Oh, oh good. Okay. <laughs> We're going rogue with that. I love it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Go rogue. Yeah. Go rogue. Go rogue. Okay. Oh, man. Did it cut off again? No, I'm here. Oh, okay, perfect. Okay, so the final three questions that I ask are just the standard ones I ask everyone. Uh, purely because, like, I want to give a different understanding on Islam and what it means to be a Muslim, etc. Um, kind of, uh-huh. like, reclaiming our narratives. So the first one is, what is your favorite thing about Islam? The spirit. <sighs> the spirit. Um, I have no idea what the Arabic means i have no idea yeah. but anytime you i read it i know i feel it yeah. i understand it and it's it's powerful yeah it's powerful 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 um yeah i love that yeah no for sure um and then if you could tell your muslim self of yesterday one thing what would it be no matter what you do allah will always love you and hook you up and hook you up? Always. I love it, yeah. For sure. For sure. I love it, yeah. That's a powerful statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the podcast, I invite folks to pray for, you know, people, causes, actions, whatever it is. Um, so is there anyone, people, causes, whatever, that you want us to put our head, hand, and heart towards? Yeah. Honestly, this is like... the. We know this in the Western countries that, yeah, there's a lot of bad that's happening against women. But, yeah. like, in other parts of the world, women can't even apply for jobs because it might be a front for human trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And their own family members sell them for sex or they, or they take pictures of them and sell them. Like, this is horrible. Women have really hard around the world. Really hard. Yeah. And, oh. Uh, yeah, I'd like to pray, pray for them. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. We need more men like you out there, really. <laughs> like, I think that was like when we when we chatted last time that was kind of like a good um chunk of our discussion. Yeah. But you're right. And finally, how can folks support you or is there any way we can support your your craft? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Thank yeah. This is supporting me. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, I'm very grateful. Thank you. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, it's been very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm appreciative of any support I get yeah. in any way. Even just a thumbs up is great. For, I thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. And you're not on, are you on social media? I don't think you. I'm on Facebook. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm pri- I, I yeah. have a private. Yeah, no, no. Let's keep things some things personal um yeah so i mean I, you know if there's anything you ever want me to share just send it forward and um if i can make it happen i will sounds good that would be awesome all right so this is the awkward part where i say bye to the audience but i'm not just saying bye to you um okay. so thank you so much for being on the pod i've had a blast i think this has been super fun yeah i'm so happy to hear that and um thanks for like delving into that process and giving us the insights and um, being super real about it. 
I no appreciate problem. it. All right. And that's it from us, folks. So I hope you all have um, an incredible week ahead, really. And please let's put our head, hands, heart, you know, that's thought, prayer, action um, together for women in general in communities here and afar and um, to work towards ending violence. So pretty intense note to leave up, but a incredibly important one. So... Yeah, I hope everyone can keep this in their uh, prayers. And I'll see you next week. Good office.